0: Hello and welcome to episode 326 of The Freelancer Show. Today on our panel, we have Eric Dietrich. Hey, everybody. And I'm Jonathan Stark. And the idea for this week, or the topic for this week, is creating leverage with systems. So I think uh, we both both use systems in our business. It kind of sounds silly to say it out loud, actually. (laughs) Like, (laughs) of course you would, but I know that um, most people if they have any systems at all in their business, they're kind of few and far between.
1: This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. At century.io. have you?
0: um, What do you think the best way to start talking about this is? Do you have particular systems that you use all the time? Um, Is there are there particular areas of your business that you think lend themselves uh, most to systems? Why do you add systems to your business? What does leverage even mean? What do you think you want to start with?
2: well, so for me, I'm thinking of existing systems that I have or what motivates me to create systems in, in the business. And the biggest driver for me personally with Hit Subscribe, our content business, has been to make it so that people other than me can take over certain aspects of things. So that has been absolutely the primary driver is to identify um, what is kind of the the magic or the secret sauce that I do mm-hmm. versus what are things that a VA or later an employee could do and then when I make that distinction to create something so that they're not just starting from scratch or that we're not, um, you know, doing a pure knowledge transfer, but like, here, read this or watch this video I created. And then, um, you know, let's go over a couple times, uh, come to me with any questions. So I think for me, that's the single biggest motivator, if you will, the mm-hmm. the driver to to this behavior. Uh, but I will say also that once you start doing this, as least, at least for me, it's kind of infectious. And you start to say, like, what, you know, what else could benefit from this sort of thinking in this sort of organization?
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I've had the exact same experience where I, the, the first, so I, I'm mostly a lone wolf. Uh, I recently got a VA, which has been fabulous. But um, and, and I, you know, do hand off things to her that are relatively systematic, although to, to be honest I let her create her own systems because they were new things that I was doing in the business that I wasn't doing before So I was like I don't need to micromanage this you're smarter at, you know, like my YouTube channel I'm Like you're smarter at YouTube than I am. You just come up with a process and let me know what it is and And that's been great. So I didn't even have to come up with a system for that but yeah. before that uh, I had a couple when I started doing group coaching group coaching, the way I run it has a Slack room with a, a, an onboarding process that I like to go through with each person who joins. And also a, uh, you know, in every other week we have a video call and there's a certain process to that. And in fact, there's a whole process to the way the sale works and, and all the things that happen there. So, so almost by default, the, the sale piece had an automation to it because it happens in Moonclerk and then it sends them an email so they have access to the Slack room and there's a link that they use to join the Slack room. So that was kind of, I set up an automation. So in a sense, there's a process, although it's not documented, but then there's like an onboarding piece that I couldn't uh, come up with an easy way to automate. So I said, well, you know, I, I created some keyboard shortcuts for myself. Like every time, you know, the Slack bot alerts me that someone joined via a link, I get a notification. And then I and then I have this process it's like a, you know, really a two-step process, it's very simple. It's a small process, but it's always the same where I go in, it's like, welcome the person. I say, here's a list of, uh, thing, five things that you should do now that you're here. And you know, one of them is read the orientation and I set up your profile. You know, it's just this keyboard shortcut that I paste in there. And so, so, uh, that's, it's like a funny little, it's the tiniest little thing, but it takes away, I just don't have to think about it anymore, it was something I had to think about every time, and then I I was like, oh man, it's like such a small thing, but it feels so much better, what else can I do, and then I was like, man, doing those those weekly, uh, every other week phone calls, video calls, there's a, there's really quite a few things I need to do for it to not, be screwed up or to you know less than good so if i want if i want to reliably produce good results on that video call and be able to do it regularly without thinking about it i was like man i should just start writing this down and i have a a, a sort of an sop or a run book of it's probably got 30 or 40 items on it you know like t minus 60 minutes do these five things t minus 30 minutes do these five things When the call starts, make sure you do X, Y, and Z, quit Slack, turn off notifications, mute your phone, dust off your shirt. So there's not like a giant piece of hair on your shoulder or something, (laughs) you know? And then over time having this, you know, and then after the thing's over, here are these steps to go through. And, you know, there's probably 25 steps after the session's over to follow up, create the next session. It's like a lot of stuff. And to remember it, uh, was problematic it was stressful. I felt like I was reinventing the wheel every single time I did it. And there was no good way for me to reliably improve the experience for anybody because I didn't have the information captured anywhere. So I started writing it down. And every time I run through a session, I have the, the it's a simple text document. I have it up in front of me. And I, uh, importantly... As things change or as I come up with better ideas or uh, something that doesn't really need to be done anymore I can modify the SOP so that the next time I do it I'm sort of benefiting like I don't have to remember anything I can just read it and I don't have to think about the mechanics of doing the session I can just focus on answering the questions, which is the core value proposition like that's the core piece And all of the administrative stuff around it. it, It's like I mean, I kind of I could outsource some of it But it's got to be done And I don't want to think about that. I don't want to waste energy on that.
2: Yeah, so I think people listening to this, if you've never done something like this before, it might seem like the primary goal is time savings, and that certainly can be a goal. But I think you'd find yourself amazed at the other benefits that you realize, one of which is, like, creating a consistent experience. Like, you know, you were talking about um, having to remember, like, 30 or so things or whatever the number was that's a lot of things so what inevitably happens is nobody can keep all that in their head So you'll do 26 of them for you know, oops those didn't happen this time mm-hmm. um, Versus if you've got it all written down documented and you really have a playbook here You're doing all 30 of those things every time it creates a very consistent experience um, Which I think translates for a lot of people consuming a product or service to very high quality Um, So there's, I've found all sorts of benefits. Uh, There's, you know, the bus factor benefit, there's the time savings, creating a consistent experience, and kind of in a sense, establishing, uh, it's a little strong, I guess, to call it values, but like, in the way we do this we do x y and z kind of establishes not just what you do and not just that consistency of experience but like you know we or i believe that this is how this thing is done so uh, i've found that there's a lot of upside to it in a variety of ways have you had a similar experience
0: oh 100 and i'll add in that it's it dramatically decreased my stress level when i was going to run one of these things like i don't get i don't mm-hmm. get stressed out at all i can show up like uh, not last minute, but I, I don't have to like sit there and think, you know, it, it's, the, it's night and day, like where before I'd be like, Oh, I've got a session this afternoon. I really got to, you know, get into the office early and like figure out what I'm going to do. And it's not like that at all. Now I I roll in with, you know, 45 minutes or an hour early. Um, and I just run through the steps and I give myself ample time to do it. I can do all, all the preliminary steps I can do in about 15 minutes, uh, if I'm in a pinch, but you know, to have an hour is nice. I usually come in, I've got my coffee or whatever, and I'm kind of like chilling. And it's just, I just follow my own instructions. It's like um, I'm not making a single decision leading up to that going live, not a single one. And it's it's just dramatically decreases my stress level. And in fact, it I would I would probably not be doing it anymore. I probably would have canceled the the discontinue the product if I was still having to like think every single time all you know remember all those whatever it is 30 40 50 steps and it just would have been unsustainable and the recurring nature of it really highlighted this um, this upside or sort of the benefits of create of spending the time to create the lever because if you think about the analogy like leverage you're sort of you have a lever and a fulcrum and you use the lever to essentially lift something that you wouldn't normally be able to lift and you know it takes time to create the lever like you got to build the thing and and but but really it's not that hard and the benefits it's exactly like you said there there are all of these benefits that you wouldn't even think of um certainly the thing that would that that probably got me to do it initially was the time savings and the, the stress decrease and like the feeling like I was just um, kind of winging it every time. It didn't feel like I didn't want to wing it, you know, to, to your values point. I didn't want to wing it. People were paying me money for this and I wanted it to be good every time. So I came up with this procedure and then I, I got addicted to it and I started, I started noticing <laughs> other places where there's another another kind of place where I uh, really notice it strongly When I've got something that I have to do, uh, that I know I have to do, but it's not that frequent. And I'm like, oh, I catch myself like, oh, this is the second time I've done this. I'm going to forget how I did it. And then I have to rethink all of these same thoughts I'm thinking right now if I don't write this down. Like, I I know I'm going to have to, um, you know, the other day it was like, you know, I'm helping my wife with like a Shopify store thing. And it's not my wheelhouse. I don't it's never going to stick in my mind. So if I don't write it down every single time, I'm going to have to like remember everything that I painstakingly learned the last time. And it's just like this, this it's like this the same pain over and over again. So like, why not just record the experience while you're going through it? If you know it's going to happen again, even if it's not on a regular basis.
2: You know, I used to years and years ago, I just had a flashback when I didn't have any, semblance of uh, an idea of what content marketing does and I had a blog that was like truly a weblog um I would often write that sort of thing on the blog just to say like I'm going to google this later but so I, you know I could go <laughs> yeah. to my own blog and look this up yeah. there's a lot of early content that was like that I mean I you know I would make some effort to make it hopefully interesting to somebody but that that drove a lot of um a lot of early blog entries, but it does make me think now of an element to this kind of standard operating procedure with a business is depending on the nature, I guess, of the business and what you're doing, this is something that's occurring to me more and more as I could gather up these playbooks that I'm creating for the business and probably build them fairly easily into an info product. Like we're doing a lot of them around how to, um, uh, cause hit subscribe to blog content uh, how to create a blog post, how to do quality assurance on one, how to copy edit one, how to refurbish one, you know, that's two, three years out of date, all this stuff. It'd be fairly easy to take all of that knowledge and, you know, sometimes I do YouTube videos about it, but to take that and actually sell it, which is something we might look at later. So that sort of institutional knowledge can have external value itself, like whether you're looking to franchise a business or whether you're looking to, you know, just kind of sell a how-to for DIYers, mm-hmm. um, So there's an interesting potential upside there. I haven't personally realized it yet, but I feel like it's not too much of a stretch.
0: Sure. You're creating intellectual property and the Mm -hmm. the process of that, that time savings that it creates, or even the instructions of how to, uh, how to do it. So like some people might know how to do it, but they don't have the process down or they might know what the ingredients are, but they don't know the recipe. Like how do I combine these ingredients? And it, it's it's absolutely valuable and if you were you know i think that's it's sort of a, a more sophisticated way to look at the idea of creating standard operating procedures but if you were going to get to a point where you wanted to sell your business for whatever reason and you're getting older or you had a health scare or something like that and you wanted or you just want to do something different and not just throw away your old business if you don't have repeatable procedures and uh, and systems in place like and you're a soloist like what are you selling there's nothing to sell so yeah. very, very little anyway. Um, so I actually did an interview on Ditching Hourly with John Warlow, who wrote a book called Built to Sell, where he talks about, he sort of tells a, an allegory about a uh, fictitious uh, design, get person who runs a design firm and how that person works with a mentor to systemize the business and create some productized services to actually create some value, ultimately in the book Well, a spoiler Uh, at the end of the book, you could still decide to sell or not sell. But the fact of the matter is you've created uh, a better product and you can make more money with less work, which, you know, if you're not trading time for money, even if you are trading time for money, you stand to benefit from this. But if you're not trading time for money or you've got at least a couple of uh, one or two products or productized services that are uh, in addition to whatever hourly work you're doing then creating these creating processes to do those at market deliver and maintain those things it's pure profit it like translates to pure profit because you're decreasing your labor intensity you're gaining back valuable personal time and selling a better product potentially for a higher price
2: yeah that um i've actually read that book or listened to it my wife and i because uh, she's the co founder of the business Hit Subscribe with Me. That was kind of interestingly timed. It was maybe a year ago that we were reading this. And the nature of what we're doing, which is creating blog posts for clients, creating content for clients, is so um, kind of by its nature lends itself to agency type work. But we had listened to that book and have always tried to make a point to figure out how we can be more productized, servicey, mm-hmm. um, which involves having you know internal intellectual property, things that you're doing. Um, and a big focus that or a big takeaway of mine from that book was if you're thinking in terms of evaluation of your business, it's really hard to value an agency if all you're selling is labor and all that labor walks away at 5 p.m. every day. Mm-hmm. So the difference between kind of an unvaluable agency and uh, a business that you could sell for a nice multiplier, or just you know probably enjoy operating more than you otherwise would, is those uh, operating procedures. That kind of unique stuff that you bring to the game. But it was the five-step logo design process, I think. Right. Yeah, something like the that. Serves.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's super interesting, and I and like I said, even if you are, you know, it's funny the mechanics of hourly billing. Uh, Because if you figure out how to do things faster and more efficiently, it's going to have a negative impact on your income, which is one of the, you know, is a telltale sign that hourly billing is a weird thing to do. Uh, But there are other aspects of your life and business that even if you are billing by the hour, you stand to benefit from, you know, so whether it's the administrative things that you do, um, sending invoices or... Even just getting into the office in the morning, um, those sorts of uh, things—it's—it's—it's dramatic. It's dramatic the effect that it has. And I'm, yeah, I'm actually running right now. When you, dear listener, when you hear this, it'll already be too late to join this. But I'll run another one in the future. But right now, I'm running a um, a ten day challenge, systems challenge for you know, got like three hundred people in a Slack room, and every day we're doing a different. I'm sort of publishing a different. Challenge to get people thinking more systematically about you know what what can they systematize, uh, what can they turn into a process, and kind of experience the benefits of doing this in a way that will get them hooked. Like that's the idea is I'm trying to get them hooked <sighs> on the idea. And the so if you want if you if you're thinking about maybe a couple of steps to take, uh, one of the the way that I start the challenge off is is really eye opening. Uh, It has been very eye-opening for people. It starts off by tracking everything you do for 24 hours. Uh, Work and business. I'm sorry, uh, work and and personal everything. Like from the time you get up until the time you go to bed in the next morning. Whatever the 24-hour period is. uh, Maybe even go a little longer. But uh, it has the same effect on everyone. One of the things that everybody notices is that they are doing an insane amount of context switching. So like every time a progress bar comes up on your compu- on on their computer, they reach for their phone to get on Instagram. and Wait for the sixty second progress bar to finish, or they they're halfway through something and they interrupt themselves to do something else. And I I, used, I still do this really bad sometimes, where I'm like, oh, I need to go downstairs and and get more coffee pods because we're out of coffee pods. And I go downstairs and I like see like ah oh, the kids left some food down here, so I'm like bring grab the food, bring it back upstairs. Oh, I totally forgot to get the coffee pods and <laughs> like. you know, just like, or walk upstairs five times before I leave the house because I forgot to brush my teeth. Oh, I forgot to put, I'm going to wear socks. It's kind of cold out, like whatever. And when you, when you write all that down, it's kind of like, I equate it to taking your junk drawer and just sort of turning it upside down in the kitchen floor and being like, all right, what all's in here? Let me separate out first the junk from the useful stuff, get rid of the junk, and then I'm going to organize what's left In you know, and it's a lot less stuff. Usually it's less stuff and you've got more space to organize it. So it's easier to organize. And once you sort of sort of got that list of all the stuff you do, you can sort of cherry pick what the low hanging fruit is like. My morning routine is a disaster. You know, I can I can do I'm going to I'm going to like go nuts just as a fun project, like totally organize my morning routine so I don't have to improvise it every single morning. You know, like first I shave, then I get it, or do it the other way around, or like should I brush my teeth before I put my shirt on or after? You know, like all these things. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's comical when you think about it, but almost nobody has not nobody, but almost nobody. The ma- let's say the majority of people don't have a specific routine for things they do every single day. What do they do with What do you do about breakfast? What do you do about your commute? All of these things. And then once we kind of have that groundwork and, and that feeling of like, wow, because you know, we start with daily activities because the very next day you've got this new process and then like, Ooh, that was so different. And then now we start thinking about, okay, let's apply this to things at work. What happened? What do you do at work every day? What things do you do every week? What things do you do every month? What happens only once a year? Why don't you have these things written down? It's going to repeat, you know, what we just did taxes, you know, like, what do you, what do you need to do? When does it have to happen? What do you need to have prepared? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, you know, what's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. You know, it is. So why not have fun, like creating a, creating a system for it? It's, it's some, some pushback that you get is like, ah, well, it'll take me so long to create and maintain the system that it'll actually be a, a net negative on the time or whatever. It's just, it's just not true. Like, like there's so many benefits to having, not having to reinvent the wheel every time you go to do a thing that, uh. It's, yeah, it's just fun. I don't know, maybe, it, maybe I'm weird. <laughs> maybe you and I are weird and it's just fun, but <laughs> it is fun. It's like, it's like, oh, it feels like, um, you're t- instead of, it's like switching from firefighter mode to fire prevention mode.
1: Hey folks, let me tell you about a really cool thing. It's the dot .tech domains. Listen, you work in tech, I work in tech. We all do things that affect technology. So why not have it reflected in our domain names? If you head over to get.tech or head over to your favorite domain registrar, you can pick up a .tech domain right now. In fact, if you want to get show notes for this show, you can check them out at freelancershow.tech. Hmm.
2: You know, it it strikes me, too, that there's a lot of, tie in with um, something I've often said in in a consulting capacity is you have to get a process documented first, and then you have to make sure that the process makes sense and that that it's worth doing. And that's when you can automate it. Like only then should we be talking about writing some code or whatever. We don't want to automate anything that is a mess because then you're just going to have a a more efficient mess, I guess. hundred um, percent. Yes, true. So this is absolutely the first couple of steps in that. And I've never actually thought about trying to apply it to my personal routines or anything, but like, I'm thinking just of a random example. Like if, if when I go jogging, you know, I put on uh, jogging clothes, um, uh, stretch out, I put on headphones, you know, cue up my phone and some podcasts, something like that. I never do any of that in any specific order, mm-hmm. but if I did, if I thought about it, like maybe there would be an optimum order to do it. And now to take it further i don't know what or how i would automate but it's interesting to have that line of thought like well okay i've kind of optimized this i feel pretty good that this is a good way to do things now how can i make this even better or more effective
0: yeah exactly yeah it doesn't have to result doesn't necessarily have to result in automation because you're still going to get lots of benefits like and and i've got a similar thing i haven't uh, this is like my next my next target for uh systemization is i take i i take the kid. I have two little kids, and and uh, the two of them and I all take karate classes on. Usually, we go Wednesdays and Thursdays, and the combination of you know me having to get leave work early, get home, get them dressed, make sure I've got all of their sort of accoutrement, and and because you don't want to get there and not have their belt or not have their uniform or uh, mm. whatever or or the uniforms dirty or their Nails should have been trimmed or like, there's all these things. Like once you get there, it's too late. You need all of this stuff. And the, that sort of frantic panic that happens twice a week, every week is, is, a. I mean, you know, first world problems, but it's like a, it's like a drain. It's an emotional drain and it makes me not enjoy the experience as much as I could. And it also sure. stresses me out like the last hour or two of work when it's coming up. I'm like, oh, I hope the geese are clean, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, part of the process could be, you know, like if we go Wednesday and Thursday, then Friday, like everything goes in the laundry. It gets packed in the in the gym bags Friday night. So it just and it puts in put it in the back of the car so that I know it's there on the following Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever we go that week. And you don't even have to think about it. And decreasing the, decreasing the number of things you have to think about, especially when they're just me- rote mechanical. Um, I mean, these are not things that I'm getting intense pleasure out of. It's not like the creative process, like when I'm writing or playing guitar or something. It's, like, it's something that I don't, I don't get any joy out of experiencing, like putting the karate stuff in the car, right? right? So I just want it to happen. I want to be able to snap my fingers and it magically is there so there's all ways to improve that there's there's no way i'm going to automate any of that or even outsource any of that but having a a a sort of a a plan or procedure for it that is proactive and and sort of sets us up for success so to speak is like i said that's my next target it's it's chaotic because the kids are involved but it's totally doable
2: that's um it makes me think of getting things done and it's been a few years since i read it but like where such a source of like cognitive stress is that feeling that you thought of something or you should be doing something, but you can't remember what it is. And so you wind up like, I've created through Trello all these systems where if I think of something I need to do, I just write it down immediately. And the amount of um, burden that that's taken off my day-to-day life is pretty significant because for me, I don't get that feeling very often, if at all anymore, like, hey, I, I should be doing something. But in specific cases, like in the business or like what you were talking about, the process for getting ready for karate, or if it's getting ready to do a presentation or a podcast or whatever it may be, there are kind of micro things like that. So it's almost like you could look for these leverage opportunities by kind of investigating in your own life, like what creates this this stress, this like cognitive weight when, when it's coming up, you know, it's almost like you're entertaining and a bunch of people are coming over and you're kind of running around in a manic sense, like <laughs> trying to get everything ready. Like, are there things like that in your business? Cause if so, you might have a great opportunity to uh, make your own life a lot easier.
0: Yeah. You could either, you know, like the junk drawer example, it might be stuff that's just not worth doing at all and you could just stop doing it. Uh, and and if you decide that you do wanna keep doing it, like why not organize it? So you just mentioned Trello though. I'd love to shift gears a little bit and talk about how to, if you're gonna create these sort of systems, like where do you put them? How do you not lose them? What format do you use? What's the most efficient way to put them together and keep them updated? So maybe hmm. maybe you've got some examples from from your business or life where you've done that. I certainly have a few I can contribute also.
2: For the business, the main uh, place that I have that is in a series of Google Docs that I share with, um, there's four of us that work for the business full-time and then a bunch of contractors. So we have those in a place where they're relatively easy to find. Um, The thing that I do when creating these templates is I have a, at the top, I kind of talk, I'll put a bullet or two in where I say, these these are the goals of this process. So like, I have one for um, how we do like follow-up after, or a sales call, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I say like, you know, here's some overarching principles, which is we're an inbound content marketing business. So we don't want to bang people over the head and be annoying, right. so, you know? So that like informs the number of follow-up emails we'll send. So there's a few kind of goals or, you know, quick principles. And then it's a very clear set of instructions that are almost like waiting to be automated where applicable, just like bullets in order. Um, so business-wise, that's kind of what's developed. I have, I don't know if by any means this is optimal. Um, but it kind of started under the general idea that doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, so I'd be interested to hear what you're doing. And, you know, if you have, I guess, thoughts on better ways to gather this, because while this works for us, I'm certainly open to other ideas. Mm.
0: Yeah. I, I think the Google Docs slash word doc centrally, centrally hosted is a really good mix of, of editable and clear. So like, So on the one hand, I've in the past, especially doing handoff after a software project is done, when a new developer, like an internal developer, is going to take over, or I'm releasing a system to a bunch of you know users that are going to use it, and I'm going to go on to the new next thing, Uh, I've always loved screen casts and videos for that sort of thing because they are really they Mm. transmit a crazy, crazy high amount of information with a very, very low amount of effort. So I can just sort of like walk through the interface or walk through the the code repository kind of talking extemporaneously as I go through and point things out and then deliver that. And it's just it's just massively valuable. The problem with it is updating video is super tedious. (laughs) So one of the things about about SOPs that I find really important is that you build into the process that it is maintained. Otherwise, it gets out of date and people stop using it. So I find a text format to be the easiest to edit. And for things that I just do for myself, I just do bullet points in like a plain text document. And I keep them in a particular place on my hard drive on my computer. And it's in Dropbox, so I could access it from other computers. But um, they're just for myself. And I, I probably have a half a dozen in there. So like how I record a solo podcast episode, how I record... Um, an episode of business of authority where I have a co-host how to do a guest interview um, the information that I would send to a guest about the show in advance I have ones for creating youtube videos uh, ones for recording videos for the pricing seminar So on and so forth. So like any kind of media production stuff I I have had a tendency to create these bulleted lists that you know uh, it goes step by step through. So format wise, I just use plain text. Uh, occasionally I'll include a hyperlink to, you know, for example, at the end of my process for running a group coaching session at the end of the session, I go through and, um, it's something I, I theoretically could automate, but I haven't yet where I go through and say like anybody who's unsubscribed in the last month, um, the the session that just happened would have been the last one that they'd be entitled to join. So I go through and like just look for anybody that unsubscribed over a month ago and I remove them from Slack. So it has a hyperlink where I can click straight on it to go to um, the spot in my email that shows me any unsubscribes. And if there have been any in the last Hmm. month, then I just, I click over to um, the, to Slack to the manage the users there. So Uh, there are a couple you know but it's very basic you know it's it's mostly just text couple of couple of hyperlinks and occasionally when i'm handing something off to someone else to do it for me where it's not you know something might not be completely obvious i'll do a short video snippet or a screenshot with like arrows and circles say like this is the box you need to check inside of simplecast to make sure that the episode goes live at the particular time or whatever
2: Yeah, I like the discrete video chunks bit. That makes sense. I mean, the keeping things. Um, editable is so important, at least for me, cause we're, some of them become pretty stable with time, uh, these documents that we have, but especially when they're new and, and with others, there's a lot of evolving thought on the matter, like topic research for blog posts. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be changing them a lot. And if it's a very discreet kind of thing, like, you know, here's how to log into WordPress or something, you can figure that'll age well. But if, <laughs> if I did a video recording of the whole process, that would get pretty brutal to maintain, I think. Yeah. Um, one thing I do with these... Uh, speaking of video though is Is a snapshot in time almost they're serving to make for good foundations for uh, YouTube content for hit subscribes YouTube channel and then things like blog posts and stuff so that kind of medium to me doesn't necessarily need to age quite as well because it's not um, meant to you know drive your business but you can still be helpful and, and kind of generate content from these things cuz it's almost certainly useful for people in your perspective audience you as a business offer x and so you're kind of producing this content on authoritative content on how one goes about producing x mm-hmm. so i think there's some real you know content marketing potential there too
0: yes absolutely i can add i can add one thing on the video uh, concept I, i've done this in the past i'll probably do it some more in the future too especially as i ramp up with my VA and start handing off more things to her where I, I, I'm not sure what I do when I, let's just say it's record like a episode of the freelancer show. Maybe it's like, I just sort of know and just sort of do it. But if I were, if I were to like just from memory, write down the stuff, I would leave out tons of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so the handoff would be really weak. And, uh, what I've done in the past for really complex things like, um, Not just, you know, especially for shows uh, where I do the audio editing and I want to hand that off. Then I would I've made a video of the entire process and then I go back through and I use the video to remind myself everything I do in what order. And I'll write that all down. And if I want to take a screenshot, I just pause the video of that particular situation and I take a screenshot there and then add that to the, the SOP. And then I don't actually use the video. I don't hand off the video because I know that's going to get out of date. I'll just take yeah. that and just use it as a like, well, what, you know, in answer to the question, wait, what exactly do I do? And then I would get rid of it. And then I can look at the list, the text list with the sort of individual, any screenshots that I've got in there or even like a small video chunks. And then I can say like, you know what? It would really be better if I did step three as step two and like flip flop step three and two steps, three and two, because step three i have to wait and if i do it as step two instead i can actually be doing step two while i'm waiting for the video to export or whatever so i can kind of shuffle things around more easily in a text document but still retain the the sort of multimedia experience by just taking screenshots of the sort of discovery video if you want to call it that
2: that is a great idea i um i may have to steal that i I like (laughs) that i mean it's it's a very efficient you know you, you I'm going to capture and make sure I'm getting this right with the video. I've got an instant source for screenshots It's kind of a throwaway, so I'm not worried about maintenance because I could see if you have enough of these standard operating procedures maintenance becoming a real headache um, mm-hmm. so that is that is a truly good idea. I like that
0: cool uh what else what else could we talk about here? I don't feel like we need to beat it into the ground too much.
2: I'm wondering if um So if you're out there listening and you've just gone freelance, it might seem like this is maybe a bridge too far. Like, you know, I, I I write, um, you know, JavaScript and I get paid by the hour to do it. What are you talking about? Standard operating procedures. Like that, that doesn't even apply to me. Um, Mm -hmm. what would you say in response to that? Since it sounds like you're working with people in that situation to help them do it. I'm just curious, like, you know how would you lay the groundwork for someone to get started with this
0: yeah great question i've got a perfect example so uh, i've got a a um, particular uh, dev environment set up for this this is going years back but i still use it occasionally this particular dev environment set up where it had like a um it was like it was like i needed to do work for this client occasionally but not all the time it wasn't like every morning or something i I mean i set up my i couldn't leave my environment set up let's put it like that and i would what i did was i created a a keyboard shortcut inside of a text which is like text expander type of thing that had this sort of chain of command line commands that would allow me to do this thing. So, like, you know, in the morning when you come in, let's let's say you've got you're you're doing JavaScript for m- multiple different clients. They've got different repos set up. They've got different rules around style guide, uh, coding styles. They've got different repos, obviously, different private repos on GitHub. Um, and you've got you've got these the switching between the clients can be a real pain. It's it's a place mm-hmm. where I would find myself procrastinating a lot. Like, eh, I'll just get lunch first, and you know, whatever. So I created this, these, uh, these text expander shortcuts where I just type three characters and it would puke out this long sort of chain of commands to the command line that would go to the right directory, pull the repo to make sure I had the latest, you know, switch to the correct branch for this client, pull the latest changes to make sure that I had them, make sure I wasn't working on the wrong branch, um, open up the directory on my laptop so that it was the front window would open up a couple of urls in chrome so that the all those things were set up and i didn't have to remember what they were and it, it seems like a small thing but it was that sort of shifting gears from client to client and then going back to that one and having to think about something that's not worth devoting mental energy to was a real drag it would cause me to procrastinate um, now again, if you're billing by the hour, this is this is going to have a negative impact on your income because you would have started that timer at the beginning. And when you're switching over to their you know environment or whatever. But it's a it's such a drag. It, to me, it was like a, an annoying, stressful, emotional load. And it just caused me to put off doing the work usually. So I've got like this list of things that need to be done. Like, yeah, I'll get to that later. I don't feel like, you know, all the non fun stuff. You know, I I love the coding part, but there's a whole bunch of things I have to do before I get to the coding. So, you know, that's just one example of, of, you know, getting your environment set up or switching between different client environments without having to think at all. And then you can focus all of your energy on doing the actual work.
2: So it does really kind of highlight the essential paradox of hourly billing this way, which is if you're doing all that kind of environmental setup, Croft, you, you know, and billing by the hour, you're doing that on the client's dime and you don't have a lot of great incentive to stop doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's, I think, um, probably, you know, a lot of plays around efficiency and how you can do service delivery, more efficiency or if efficiently, um, start to make you scratch your head about billing these clients by the hour because you don't have a lot of incentive to be efficient, you know, maybe just enough so that you're not perceived as, um, as a problem,
0: mm-hmm. but, or the stuff that's really, that really just pains you to do inefficiently. A lot of software developers despise inefficiency, uh, but there's almost always, I, I've never come across a situation where somebody didn't get way more efficient when they stopped billing for their time. Hmm. But even, even outside of that, I mean, like you're not billable a hundred percent of the time. There are a lot of other things you do that are, potentially, you know, could be could that you're not getting paid for anyway. So you might as well decrease the amount of mental energy or time that you have to devote to them. Like, you know, certainly marketing activities like blogging or podcasts, or all that stuff. Um, sure. You know, if you're if you're are going to a lot of conferences, I have a checklist for uh, domestic travel air travel and international air travel that I I don't want to think about it every time I've got my suitcase all packed my suitcase is right now I'm not going anywhere I have no trips planned my suitcase is packed right now and <laughs> you know why not why do I have to think about that it doesn't make any sense
2: so, that's actually true of me as well for for what it's worth. That's a like random connection moment I funny. also in the other room have a suitcase packed in case of consulting engagement
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, cuz I don't I just don't want that overload. It's like the wrong time You've got other things to think about in that moment So the last thing you want to do is be stressing out about like did I pack a belt, you know, it's just dumb Yeah so yeah, I think I think there are lots of things that um that sort of surround even if you're billing by the hour, there are lots of things that surround your billable work that you probably don't enjoy and you would not enjoy them less. Is that how to say that? You you <laughs> you despise them less if you didn't have to think about them. They just happened whether or not they're automated or you do them like a robot following a script. Uh they're both they're both way better.
2: Yeah keeping the books, invoices, that kind of thing. I could definitely see it.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, probably, you know, marketing, certainly, any kind of administrative stuff, onboarding new clients, um, uh, client meetings, running design reviews. Like, is that you do that differently every time? I doubt it. You know, like, mm. write down a procedure. Here's the agenda. This is the, you know, send the agenda to these people at this time. Have it, a lot of that stuff you can automate, but even if you can't automate it, it, it should be, you know, it shouldn't require brain power every time you go to do it. Absolutely. Cool. Do you want to uh, switch over to picks? Yeah,
2: that sounds good to me.
0: All right, cool. Um, what do you got?
2: Uh, let's see this week. Um, one of hit subscribe authors is going to do a webinar actually for one of our clients. Um, on containers as a service. So I'll throw that a pick. Uh, It should be good. I think it's coming up next week. Um, Oh, depending on publication time, you might have to hurry to sign up. So I'll do that one and and hope we're not too late on it. Cool. Um, I'm thinking a couple of books that, that I mentioned here during the course of this, or at least thought of. One was the aforementioned getting things done. Since I talked about that, I'll I'll give it a pick and uh, we'll put a link to that. And then the other one, I don't know if we talked about it directly, but all the uh, conversation about standard operating procedures um, made me think of the E-Myth Revisited and kind of the idea of building your business to be something that you could franchise, even if you're not trying to franchise it. Mm-hmm. So. If you want to kind of think a lot more about this stuff, I'll throw that out as a pick. That's a a good read.
0: Cool. And I will re-mention Built to Sell by John Marlowe, which is uh, along these lines. Um, Another one is that I'm reading now, but I'm already liking it is called Work the System by Sam Carpenter is the author. Um, that and, I, and the audiobook is actually free. If you go to his website, you can get the audiobook and an ebook copy for free, or you can buy a hard copy on Amazon. So that's WorkTheSystem.com, and I'll I'll shout out um, a link to the 10 uh, Day System Challenge that I'm, I'm running one now. So it's too late for that one, but I, I'm definitely going to be doing it again because people are just loving it. It's having great effects for folks. So uh, you can go to systemschallenge.com to check that out. And uh, next time I run one of those, I will send out an announcement to the list so you can sign up there. Cool. That's it for this week. Nice, tight episode. I hope you join us again next time
1: for The Freelancer Show. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.